0: Welcome back to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. Thrilled to be bringing you yet another episode of Surf News with my co-host, Scott Bass. We will get into that in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to reiterate that this show, Surf Splendor, is a collaborative effort. My part of the job is to produce episodes your part as the listener is just to share the show with friends we want this show to grow and we believe that producing uh, quality content will help kind of build a foundation to do that but there's really no way for other people to find it other than stumbling across it or you telling them about it so real simple And uh, we need your help to do that. And it has grown. And I mean, last month was significantly the uh, busiest month in terms of downloads. And so I attribute that to you. I think Mickey Munoz's two-part episode probably had something to do with it. Each month we see more and more. um, And that's really all that we can ask for. So you're doing your job. I appreciate it. But I just want to kind of reaffirm that to you and encourage you to continue to do so. If you're a new listener... Uh, Welcome, all past episodes are archived for free on surfsplendorpodcast.com and then rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. iTunes and Stitcher seem to be the most common places that this show is listened to. Rating it helps other people to find the show, helps with our rankings and search engine optimization and all that sort of thing. So if you can do that, huge favor, I would appreciate it. And uh, in return, I will continue producing the show. So you have my promise. And of course, you can also just follow the show on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Surf Splendor. So without further ado, that is all the business I have for you. Enjoy today's show. I will be back in the end to sign us off. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Hell yeah, guy. Downline Surf Talk Radio with you, Scott Bass, David Lee Scales, talking surf on this October 7th of the year 2014. And uh, David, good morning, buddy. It's good to see you. Rocking and rolling into the show. Hell's Bells. Are you an ACDC fan? I
0: am. Not a huge fan. I'm not, not a fan. They're whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know.
1: Yeah. I sort of fall in that category as well. I yeah. think that uh, they can fire you up. Certainly that song fires you up. And um, But I'm not of that, you know, hardcore ACDC ilk. I'm an Iron Maiden guy. That's an Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what What always amazes
0: me more than anything is when they replace a lead singer with a guy who sounds exactly the same. Right. Like the ability i don't know just to mirror somebody else's voice so similarly is crazy you know
1: yeah so. well they've done that successfully haven't they like um the band that did that the most successfully i think is journey oh the yeah. guy steve whatever his name is um, perry yeah steve perry yeah. maybe he bailed out wouldn't come back the band's like we need to make money they did this massive talent thing and they found this guy in the philippines who sounds exactly like maybe better right and steve perry yeah and you know steve perry is like going oh god these guys are killing it they're singing all my songs they're making a bunch of money
0: totally but i
1: already sort of blew it by yeah. being too proud or too egotistical or i don't i don't really know the backstory there there could be more to it than that yeah but he negotiated that incorrectly yeah. in hindsight yeah and they did that with uh judas priest did that too. oh really and they made the movie about you know there was a movie with mark Wahlberg called Rock star. Oh yeah. I didn't and, know that's who that
0: was. About. Yeah. That okay.
1: basically is loosely tied to Judas priest where they found a guy that sounds just like the Judas priest guy. And you know, five years later, the Judas priest guy is back in. They had to kick the new guy out and bring back the original Cause the, finally the lead singer, the original lead singer was like, come yeah. on, you guys let yeah. me back in, please.
0: Well, kind of a general life lesson is, uh, certainly know your worth, but more importantly, always appreciate your employer. Always have gratitude for the paycheck that your employer is giving you.
1: Yeah, wow, That's a good, that's a great. Um, I knew we would but, pull a life lesson out of an ACDC song.
0: Who knew? <laughs> but you know what? Uh, on a kind of side note, I hate Journey.
1: I, um, Journey, I got to admit, it's one of those ones where you cringe. Like I, oh if I God. see it on the radio, I will turn the, the dial, you yeah. know? But I did see the Journey concert on Palladia station on my HDTV. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was sort of, Um, drawn in by the fact that there's this new singer you know I wanted to see him go and do his thing and uh...
0: well my thing is like the music is fine and I could sing all the hits word for word with you right now I'm not going to but but it's what pisses me off about Journey more than almost any other band is as soon as any Journey song comes on yeah every middle-aged female in the room pulls out a lighter and starts singing along and waving it. And they're like, don't stop believing, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh my God, the fact that everybody loves it so intensely repels me from it kind yeah. of, you know? And and that says more about me than it does about Journey probably. But it's just like, I, I detest Journey because they're so freaking popular with just I don't,
1: if, I don't know if I excavate my detest it's because they're associated with San Francisco and for growing up in San Diego and being a Padres fan and oh, then really hating the Giants because they're in the same division I, I have a natural di- you know whatever stupid reason just a loyalty thing yeah. where I'm anti San Francisco and therefore I'm anti-Journey interesting stupid wow. maybe not stupid but well um, no not stupid at all strange
0: makes sense though for you to be able to track that lineage is interesting right. um one, even though I hated Journey for quite a long time now, the final episode of The Sopranos. I never even saw that episode. Okay. Well, it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I got to see it. I the gotta
0: closing it. scene of the show, they use that Don't Stop Believing song by Journey, which I loved The Sopranos and I hated Journey. And those two things <laughs> converged and oh. I almost had like a breakdown. But <laughs> ultimately, The Sopranos won. I, I actually loved the scene and... Despite the song selection and in in fact the song selection worked perfectly, but I was able to overcome my detest or my despise of journey just because that episode was so great and that scene was so great.
1: Yeah, I need to see that a lot of journey talk. There's some other must watch TV stuff like the last episode of the Sopranos was and I don't know if you watch Homeland are you a Homeland guy? I watched season one and never picked no, up I after that. No, you didn't get into it. Okay, well, Homeland's back on, and I'm excited to be watching that again. Yeah. Cool. Um, I got an email here from James Humberstone, and he says, um, David Scott, I have a question about a situation I find myself in occasionally with respect to surf etiquette and wave priority. During a free surf, at what point does the person further out the back but further away from the pocket on the shoulder, get priority over the surfer closer to the beach, but closer to the pocket. So he's outside of a guy that's on the inside, but he's not deeper. Interesting question. Yeah, I run into
0: that pretty regularly, actually, and I think it depends wave per wave. And the guy who's paddling out the back, even if he's on the shoulder more, I usually give way to. I'm kind of sitting on the inside, usually trying to just spin at the last minute and go. And there's guys on long boards or bigger boards who are catching it from farther out, but not as deep.
1: Um, and you yield to them. I usually do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Unless they've caught maybe 10 waves in a row and right. it's like, all right, now I'm going to go and just.
1: Well, that, what you just spoke to really speaks to this situation, which is no two situations are alike, yeah. you know, and there's all sorts of other um, sort of, conditions of this situation that that make it just hard to say what's the right call you know like right. how many waves have you caught how long have you been waiting um how long have you been surfing at that spot relative to you know i don't you know there's a lot that comes into play and the, that's why the whole idea of surf lessons or or there being a certain way no matter what like surfer on the inside always gets right. the wave no matter what like that just doesn't play out in reality there's no
0: black and white yeah. really Well, another thing that factors into what he's asking is how much farther out were they than you? Were they five feet farther out and only one foot away from the peak? Well, no, definitely he's not going. Did he catch it from 20 feet out, you know, and that would matter. So that all kind of factors in as well. But by and large, whoever's kind of paddling, whoever, I guess, uh, I don't know, saw the wave first, put more effort into catching it, was kind of in, more in the right spot. Factor all that in,
1: aggregate that into the
0: equation, you know, and and then make a decision.
1: Well, you know, where I surf, there's tons of stand up paddlers. And if you just let it, to, if you just let those things be your guide, those things that you just mentioned, the guy who's furthest out that sees the waves first and tries the hardest to catch it, I would never catch any waves. Right. And those guys go on everything, no matter yeah. what, they don't even see you, you know. Right. Of course they don't the wave doesn't start breaking for three hundred yards before you know they get into the lineup where you're at. But yeah, uh, where's your surf spot again? It's a super secret sub spot. <laughs> <laughs> a super top secret sub spot. Well the the
0: other good news is um it kinda depends where you're surfing. But if you're at a place like Malibu, let's say, that long border or person who catches the wave from farther out the back oftentimes surfs it so far out in front of the curl that you could spin around behind them catch the wave and still do turns behind them and you both can ride the same wave you know stand up paddlers oftentimes are riding out on kind of the far shoulder of the wave there's plenty of room for a shortboard to be behind them ripping and if they see you ripping sometimes they just kick out anyways
1: yeah and that's generally what happens we, we drop in behind them
0: Hmm. good question that even though my name was on that I don't think that came to me
1: um, I just threw your name in there. It oh, thank you. Me. <laughs> uh, I got another one from Andrew Slocum. Um, and I think this one did come. to Yeah, you. I remember that name. Um, and I'm going to edit it down. It's a little bit long, but basically says, Hey guys, um, just want to say good work on the podcast. I've enjoyed listening and I've been following Scott's down the line radio for a while, but, uh, recently went and checked out some of David's surf splendor episodes and some really great ones, including Sean Thompson, Dan Malloy, and the latest Mickey Munoz were very interesting. Um uh, much respect to Scott for the mm-hmm. 100 wave challenge. Um, Both my wife and I are scientists working on environmental issues and making a modest living. We are so far away from being able to afford any kind of housing near the coast. And the same would be said for Southern California. So what's the deal? Is raising local surfer kids now restricted to those with six figure incomes or family money? Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's an interesting question. You know, the cost of living, the cost mm-hmm. of real estate along the coastline here in California, both in Northern California, Southern California, probably most coastlines, even in Australia and so forth and so on. Certainly, um, in Hawaii, you know, the, the cost of living versus, uh, trying to raise a, a family and a kid that you want to be a surfer.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, it's, uh, that's capitalism, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. whoever has the most money gets to select where they would like to live and. The coast seems to be uh, the place where people want to live, whether they surf or not. And uh, I actually did not grow up at the beach. I mean, I lived 30 minutes inland from the beach, but I still found a way to make it to the beach, especially once I got my license. Now I live two miles from the beach and it's a lot more accessible. But um, yeah, I mean, those are decisions you have to make in life, I guess, as a homeowner and as a parent is... You know, what's more important to you working 90 hours a week so you can live at the beach with your kid that you never get to see or living a little bit inland and spending more time with them. But I mean, there's nothing, there's no answer to that equation or to that question or quandary. That's just the realities of life. I mean, it's sad. And I, Andrew identified something that is a real concern for us, but we can't fix that. I, and
1: I remember specifically being able to get a house, um, to buy a home along the coast, and feeling like I just barely made it. Like I just got in just in time before the housing prices went through the roof. Like I, right now, today, I could not afford right. to buy a home where I live now. Like yeah. Our housing prices have more than doubled crazy. Like my housing. You know, the How cost long money. ago did you buy? I bought in in 99. And wow. it was right before things went crazy. So
0: in 15 years, they've doubled. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah. And so I feel for Andy... Uh, Regarding this, you know, it's almost like, did, did you miss the boat? I don't know. You know, obviously if you have great credit and you have a stable working situation and your, it sounds like your wife does too. You can probably get in somewhere. Who knows? You know, if I
0: remember though, Andy was in Northern California, which is some of the highest, um, real estate prices in the country,
1: you know? Yeah. So Exactly.
0: Yeah, tough. Sorry, Andy. It sucks, dude. But again, I, I mean I lived thirty minutes inland and I still had plenty of time at the beach. So the good news is
1: that inland in San Francisco is beautiful. Right. You know, like right. at least you're in the trees and all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. It's
1: not like you're in the desert and vista in Southern California or something. <laughs> <laughs> um any more emails or um, you know, I'm just going through here. Well, let me let me yeah.
0: mention before you get to that other email, um, or if you have any more. I enjoy, I mean, we've said it before, and I'll repeat it probably every episode, but the cool thing about this podcast platform or radio, I guess, is that it's not just a conversation between Scott and I. It's an open, it's an open conversation for anybody to participate in, and even though we don't take on-air calls like they might on a radio show with Twitter, with email, and our websites and all that kind of stuff we're actively engaged with the listening community. And it seems like in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten a lot of emails and um, other social media activity that it's like, I don't know, people bring up good points. Like you and I get in a rhythm and we maybe just pick apart some detail of whatever it is we're discussing. And then to go home and read people's feedback. And there's Fifty other opinions about a topic, it's like, oh crap, I didn't even think about that. And oftentimes we don't have the time to like rehash it on the following show because new news happens, but, um, I still appreciate reading it. And then oftentimes we can banter back through email and it'll go, you know, five or six email exchanges with, with a listener. Um, so I just appreciate that. And I think it's a cool little community that's developed and I don't, You know, there would be, we could like maybe create a forum on the website like Surfer Magazine has, there's other forums that exist to really cultivate that. And I don't know that we need to, and that takes a tremendous amount of time and work and effort, but that's kind of how it's developed on its own without really the form itself existing. But I appreciate it and I encourage people to get involved. Yeah,
1: for sure. No, I agree. Good stuff. And we're getting, you know... And I see guys in the water all the time. They're like, hey, love the show. They always give you kudos. They're like, "David's great. <laughs> Sweet. But, um, you know, and, and you do a great job here. Um, you know, and I know David Price uh, real well, and I surf with him. and he, oh, okay. He, he's always communicating with us and yeah. talking with us. And I guarantee you that there are a lot of people that listen to us that don't tweet to us or don't email us. We have a lot of listeners. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like, I, I run into them all the time.
0: Yeah, that's good. I don't run into them nearly as often. And I am i don't really, uh, I don't know, I'm not as public a figure, I guess, as you. So people wouldn't be able to identify me. But I did have an experience a month or two ago surfing the pier in Huntington where a guy um, just was walking by in the parking lot and he noticed a surfboard I was riding. And he's like, hey, that board's interesting. You know, what is that? And as soon as I started to tell him, he just looked at me and he's like, I recognize that voice. I'm like, what? He's like, David. I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, I listen to the show every week. So that was kind of weird. And honestly, he identified my voice after two words, you know, or three words. So we chatted for a bit and he gave me some good feedback about the show. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting when that happens, you know?
1: Well, that's cool. And and why don't we get right into it? Um, I've got, um, I'm going to start off with cloud break. I don't know if you saw this, but it, it just it's on Surfline now, but um, a couple of days ago, a mammoth swell rolled through at uh, Tavarua, a cloud break, a mega large, big purple blob made its way up you know, between New Zealand and, and uh, the east coast of Australia, which is what you want. If you're, going to, if you're ever going to Tavarua, you want to see those purple blobs between New Zealand and the east coast of Australia and make their way up into the Coral Sea. Those are the ones where you get the big surf in Fiji, and um, that is what happened. Um, not as clean or as epic as those, as the big thundercloud Volcom Fiji Pro Day about a year and a half ago. Sure, but um, every bit is meaty and raw and gnarly. Probably um, even you could suggest more raw based on the amount of wind that was out there yeah. two days ago, and I'm sure the swell's still rolling in today. But they did have two days of surf out there, and there's some cool footage on Surfline now and um i just thought it was neat um and and worthy of mention today yeah because it, it was a significant swell like in the you know 30 foot faces yeah if you really put a ruler on it there's guys riding 30 foot faces or 25 foot faces feet faces is it 25 feet or 25 foot i would think it'd be feet yeah but do you ever say that when you talk about 25 feet do you you yeah, say, say yes. feet you say 25 feet
0: yeah i've seen it it said foot but I think feet is correct or more correct. Um, I didn't actually see the surf line feature yet, but I saw some of the Instagrams coming out from the media outlets and what I basically
1: the same images. Okay.
0: Well, what I liked about it was I didn't really see, I heard Bruce Irons was there, but I didn't see a whole lot of professionals surfing like Dave Rostovich. I saw, but Lewis Samuels, the writer, the controversial writer, he was there. Um, Some other no name guys, that were just charging, of course, and getting shacked. But obviously, the world tour is in Europe right now, so those guys couldn't go. And I'm not sure where the other big wave dudes are. But I, I thought that was kind of cool just to see a bunch of no name chargers out there.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. Did you see Bruce get any waves? No, nope, did not. Well, somebody said that he was there, but I didn't see anything.
1: Yeah, and maybe that will, you know, maybe more will be revealed regarding. Those guys, you know, some of the A-list big wave guys like Healy or whoever.
0: And sometimes the A-plus video and photos are held back for print and that sort of thing. So that could be what happened. Yeah. Um, I Catching up from last week or from two weeks ago, our last show, my must-see moment was about uh, Mark Matthews trailing that skimboarder, Brad Domkey, trying to get the shot at hours or the right, I forget which wave it was actually, it might I think it was right. hours okay maybe, well anyways they released a video of one of the failed attempts where Domkey gets pitched like in the worst possible way yeah. <laughs> so I've got a YouTube video of that I'll put on surfsplendorpodcast.com but it's rad, Mark Matthews comes in from deep way behind him, you can see Domkey getting towed in on the shoulder and then I don't know, somehow just kind of gets sucked up the face and just does a full cartwheel, almost oh not quite right over Mark Matthews, just enough in front of him to where it's in the camera frame. But I mean, just as full cartwheels over 20 feet in the air, getting pitched off kind of a re re uh, like a backwash, you know, just the worst wipeout ever on video from behind <laughs> it. it's it rad. Looked like
1: Cirque du Soleil you yeah know, it
0: looked like an act that they had tried to perfect or something yeah or like when you see a shark throw a seal you know and right. just like head over heels so that was rad worth a lot watching. of the comments
1: about that particular Pete, not a lot but one of them was you know why why does Mark Matthews have the camera in his hand it seems like it should be the other way around because Mark Matthews is a, a great surfer and he actually made the wave
0: right from deeper right well, that's who you'd want the camera to be, right, rid, but, the deeper guy, right? Well, I mean,
1: but, you know... Yeah, you, yeah.
0: You want to get the wipeout angle, too. It
1: seemed like he was the better surfer. I guess the question was, you know... Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing that we don't
0: need to really... Break up, uh, un- unpack, but is worth just kind of reading for the listener if they want to come to our websites. Kelly Slater did an interview with uh, Brendan Buckley from Surfing Magazine about his brand Outer Known. It was just as Kelly was exiting the water at the Hurley Lowers Pro. Brendan just asked him about it and they got like kind of a 1500 word discussion QA with Kelly. Kelly's just talking about his new brand more than he's ever talked about it up until now. And he doesn't say anything that you and I need to discuss here. It's just kind of his philosophy on clothing and the way that it's produced and kind of a sweatshop ethic to drive prices down. And um, and so, how Outer Known is going to be different than that. But if you want to read that, come to com, and I'll have a link to it.
1: Cool. Very good. Um, let's see. I see Sean Doherty posted another one of his articles on Coastal Watch. It's a pretty good one. I enjoyed it. I don't know if you saw it. It's called John John is the best surfer in the world right now. Can't we all just agree on that? And um, it basically speaks to what you and I've been talking about, that the last three events, even though John John did not win uh, Chopu and did not win at Hurley at the Lowers Pro, um, he certainly seemed like the on-form surfer. And the finals, you could argue, were anticlimactic based on John John's performances in those two events. And then he comes out and wins France and absolutely dominates. And the way Sean um, sort of characterized it, which I thought was spot on, was that John John was the only guy that looked like he was in rhythm with a rather uh, wonky, um, unruly at times French beach break. Um, The other best surfers in the world, the Kellys, the Mix, the Parkos, the Gabe Medinas did not seem to be in rhythm or have the rhythm or feel, uh, didn't seem professionally comfortable in the water as far as the rhythm and catching waves and getting nine, 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 you know, the way John John was. And um, and I, I thought it was good. And, and he went on to say that not only was John John in rhythm, but when he was chaired up the beach, it seemed to Sean, and it, and I thought this was pretty insightful, that for the first time, John John Florence didn't have that happy-go-lucky sort of, Carefree, isn't it cool to be seventeen and be a pro surfer? Look in his eye, but rather he had sort of a steely determination, a look of "That's right, I just kicked all of your asses." Yeah, um, kind of vibe and, and twinkle in his eye, which you know could be a little bit of um, you know writer's um, you, you know the, the ability to sort of you know romanticize about what he saw, perhaps mm-hmm. in John John's eyes. But but I think it was spot on. Yeah, and certainly Sean does another. Great article, and it's worthy of mention. He also goes on to say that, um, you know, the, there's a simple equation that if Gabe wins Portugal, he wins the world title.
0: Right. I've got the whole breakdown, which I'll get into in a moment. Um, I did not read that article, but I fully agree with it, and then some. I made a point in our last show that I think for most of these world tour events, it's fairly easy to objectively define a judging criteria that weeds out the bottom. 28, 29 surfers. Like you can say, yes, Kelly's the better surfer in that heat and work your way through all the way up until the semifinals. Once you get to that end of the draw, I feel like it's pretty hard to objectively define who the best surfers in the event are. There's usually three of the best surfers in each event. You mentioned them in Tahiti, John, John, Kelly, Gabriel. In lowers, I would say it was Kelly, John, John, and Jordy. And once you get to those three, it's kind of like It's a matter of subjectivity at this point. I like Jordy better than you do. You like Kelly better than I do. And let's agree to disagree. We all win because these guys are ripping. However, I agree with Sean Doherty in the fact that at the Quicksilver Pro in France, there was one best surfer of of the event without a doubt. And furthermore, I would argue, those were the most challenging conditions we've seen on tour this year. You could argue that Tahiti is technically more difficult to surf the wave itself. But I would argue that any one of the top 32 can get a perfect wave in Tahiti. And they did for the most part during that event. It's a perfect lineup. And yeah, it's technically difficult to make the drop, but these guys are all experts and they know how to do it. At the wonky beach break in France, it weeded everybody out, including Kelly Slater and Gabriel Medina. There was only one surfer who dominated the lineup and it wasn't just in one heat. I mean, he went out there in wonky conditions and dominated heat after heat after heat. And his throwaway scores—he'd ha- he'd have four throwaway scores that would have beat his competitor in almost every heat. It was crazy the amount of uh, expertise that John John. I would say this was John John's most masterful performance that we've seen all year in the most challenging conditions. I said that I loved his round four heat at lowers, and it was the best surfing I've ever seen. This was that times two. I mean, I was blown away at John John's mastery.
1: Well, great points. And the one thing that I I will say and add to this is that the French beach break when it's big, and even when it's small and um, somewhat um, not defined, is it reminds me a lot of Sunset Beach. From a competitive standpoint, what you have is a surf spot that is a wild card. And this is a place where Kelly Slater has admitted he has problems and not just him, but all the competitors. Um, you know, when the spot is the wild card, when you're hunting, when you're on the hunt, when you're not finding waves, when you're not in rhythm or the, your competitor is in rhythm and you get frustrated by that, um, it brings another element to the competition format, to the whole scenario there. And um, and so you could put this French Beach Break in that same um, category with Sunset Beach. Uh, and you know, so, and you mentioned, you know, we've got Tahiti, we've got, uh, the uh, the superbank we've got um lowers we've got all these spots that are defined spots where we know where the takeoff is right you throw in a wild card spot like Fran- like and even portugal is relatively defined it yes. all breaks very yes. close to the beach that beach break is you know it's not like you're you're scouring 100 yards here or 100 yards there for a wave really sunset beach which isn't on the world championship tour but right. it's an example of of a spot that frustrates kelly and uh france is like that and um it's certainly interesting it it, it begs the question should we eliminate those types of spots from the world tour and just have these really kind of exacted spots where where we know where we need to sit to take off or is it neat to have to throw that wildcard element into the equation and then you said yourself well if it is look who's really dominant yeah john john florence I like having the wild card element. I don't think we
0: need Brazil and some other wild card elements in the mix, but France is a great option. Like because when the waves are good, they're incredible. You know, well, a so, couple
1: 3 4 I don't I want to say when Andy was around, there was some there were some heats with Andy and Bruce and Mick and Kelly when it was bigger than what we saw here. Right. And it was all time. Incredible surfing. Well,
0: the last time that I've seen anybody dominate out there the way that John John did, I think, was Andy versus Bruce when they made the final together. Yeah. Like, Andy controlled that lineup and those massive sections. Like, Andy surfed big waves the way that most people surf small waves, basically, you yeah. know? And I felt like John John was exhibiting quite a bit of that. Now, that uh, listener um, who does email a lot, David Price, has chimed in a lot during the lowers contest about how he doesn't like John John's style and his cutbacks and his little wiggle hip wiggle and wrist and stuff. I would say John John's turns at this event looked so amazing. And he didn't really have that weird body tweak that he does at lowers. Like his turns were drawn out, super powerful, stylish without any wiggle in them.
1: Yeah, and David was really just speaking about those moments in the wave that are when the wave goes flat or fat and doesn't offer a real vertical area and the surfers in general are trying to just kind of get through that section of the wave to get to a scoring opportunity. That's a place where John John Style may not have the same aesthetic quality as, say, like a Tom Curran or even Kelly or any of the guys that can um, just have maybe a more... um, Technical style through yeah. the hideous part of the wave, and, and John it, John kind of hops around and. But it gets didn't. A little bit, it didn't show
0: up here because no, it was just not. power, yeah. you right. know. Right. Um, Kelly Slater, we need to discuss Kelly. He found some of the best waves of the event. Those couple nines that he got, they were huge right hand barrels, but he only found a few of them. Where John John was finding them left and right, or mostly right, but a lot of them. Kelly, So he still has that connection with the ocean, but he also didn't seem to have the drive that we're used to seeing Kelly have. And I'm just wondering why that is. World title's on the line. He needs to make it through this quarterfinal to make ground on Gabriel Medina, but he just didn't really seem to have the competitive drive that we're used to seeing. And I'm wondering if the scattered focus has to do with Outer Known and Perps and all this, his music career and all these other things that he has going on in his life. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I doubt oh. that. I, th- I think, look, Kelly wants to win the world title. That's, you know, Does goes it... without saying. His his semifinal, was it against Jordy? Or the quarter no, the quarterfinal against Jordy. Yeah. So he had this opportunity to make up ground. He didn't. The waves weren't. You know, it was just, it was that wild card French beach break thing yeah. where he just didn't, you know, he saw a peak down the beach and it didn't cooperate with him. You know, and a lot of times he's just rolling the dice going, look, if I go out there and those waves that I saw before my heat show up, I'm going to have a chance to get through. And if they don't show up, then I'm not going to have a chance. And he rolled the dice. And I, I think I'm looking here. He scored a 10.5 on two waves. So, yeah, but that was one heat. But he Well this was the heat Where like No but They basically Gabe basically goes Here you go You can now make up ground I mean this is where All the pressure was on Was during this one No it culminated
0: In that heat But what about round four
1: He got third place In his round four And he looked the same No I agree That's the wild card Well I I don't think That outer known Or I don't think There's any other issues On his plate Other than winning The world title Now I I could be wrong Maybe you're right I just sense that And I hope I'm wrong Um, You would think that You know he would Want to put this as priority one
0: well he he wants i agree with your statement he wants to win the title i'm just saying he doesn't have the tenacity that we've seen out of him in the past
1: well you're in just a couple of heats during this surfing event where the the wave is the wild card and so you're you're sort of lumping a lot on the fact that hey he just didn't get i mean another you know the devil's advocates could say hey look he just didn't get the waves like what if he had gotten the waves and gotten a knot? Yeah, you know, like no, like absolutely the waves that he caught, he didn't fall or, or didn't. No, that's
0: true. But you know what I mean. But the Kelly of the past that we know would have willed to win. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen him. You pat- can, I think
1: you can win, will wins at spots where there's a de- predetermined takeoff spot. You know, we've like seen you him know do that a 10's either going to come to you or not if you sit
0: there. Yeah, we've seen him do it elsewhere. We've seen him do it everywhere in the world. You know what I mean? We've just we've seen he's conditioned us to know that what the type of desire that he has. And I just feel like there's something different currently in what I see from him. And even in the post heat interviews and stuff, he doesn't seem to have that same drive that I remember him having. Hmm. Um, Jadson Andre made the final. How'd you feel about that?
1: I was stoked. Were you really? Yeah. yeah, Like that's where a Brazilian's going to make a final. This is their, that's one good thing about these wildcard beach breaks is that it offers these guys a chance to get lucky. And have Ooh. their guy not not do not maybe catch as good of waves. Okay, look, let's face it. Jadson was the underdog here. I mean, to against make it John to, John, against or? the whole field. Okay, really? I mean, would you have thought Jadson was going to be in the final? Did heck anybody? No. Yeah. So heck no. So he's he's the underdog in these situations. These spots give those guys a chance to make up some ground to prove that they're worthy. He surfed great. Okay, that's what I was going to ask yeah, you. No, How no. do you feel about his surfing? I mean, he's he's you know he's a top thirty two surfer. He's like Carlos Muñoz. <laughs> Although he's not on the top 32. He will is, be. There's you a know lot of guys will. that are in the top 32 and then there's a few that are the top eight.
0: Yeah. You know totally, what I mean? Like completely. there's a
1: definite separation. If you put those guys at spots like lowers or like Chopu, you know, spots where it's a yeah. fine takeoff spot and let's really see who the best surfer is. You know, there's eight or 10 of those guys. Yeah. And Jadson's probably right below those guys.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Jadson, I was bummed
0: when he re-qualified for tour this year because I do not like his surfing whatsoever. But he's got maybe five ways. He's
1: he's kind of has a real Brazilian thing, which oh, he's the epitome. He, he's he's like uber technical, real square, yeah. really focused on scoring points rather yeah. than enjoying his time on the wave face. You know he's, I mean? he's the epitome. Like John John looks like he's enjoying his time on the wave face. Where a lot of the Brazilian guys and even Americans, like I could say that Brett Simpson's like this, where you just get the feeling he's trying to score points rather than go surfing. Yeah.
0: Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I agree. John John's creating an art piece and a dance, and, and Jadson's just trying to score yeah, points. Exactly. Chisel away yeah. at a score. And Jadson, to me, has the most horrendous style on tour. And How about his grill? No, you're thinking Miguel Pupo.
1: The guy, he's got the, I thought yeah, it was that's, Jadson that that's had like the, the metal grill with the teeth kind of like, he looks like he could be in that Bond movie, Jaws. That's Miguel, dude. And it's
0: being fixed, by the way. He had a major surgery before the beginning of the year. Um, so he'll look great next year. <laughs> okay. But but no, Jadson does not. But his style is horrendous. And, um, and so I didn't want to see him requalify. He requalified. But there's been about five waves, I'd say, throughout this year where I was blown away at how well Jadson surfed them. I'm talking about five waves throughout the entire year, by the way. And it's like, wow, I'm kind of coming around to Jadson. And in the post-heat interviews, he seems very likable. He seems very humble. Everybody I know who's ever interacted with him says that he is super rad. So I'm kind of coming around to Jadson. However, there were a lot of waves in this event that I was appalled by just like his style is so offensive uh, to my delicate sensibility. But then his scoring waves were undeniably eights and nines, you know? So it's kind of like, I think like, it yeah. happens. It happens once a year. Last year it was Kai Otten in Portugal, where he wins the event. And you're like, what? How did that happen? And it probably won't happen again. Jadson won an event in Brazil when he first came on tour against Kelly Slater in the final because he was able to do big air reverses before we really knew what they were, and everybody was blown away. Now he kind of his tenacity pushed him through, and he was able to uh, make the final. And good for him. I don't think we're gonna see a lot more from Jadson from this point on unless he, I don't know, really starts doing lessons with brad gerlach or something well here's the
1: thing Uh, interesting thing about jadson is when you think about the one takeaway wave from this event and i don't know if you remember it and i don't know what heat it was in but it was a big right he did a a real kind of stalled out bottom turn and swooped up high under the lip and got an insane backside tube. Yeah, not what you would expect from like, a high flying Brazilian. Yeah, he did a snap under the lip, right, kind of, exactly. and then positioned into the barrel. Yeah, it yeah. was very technical. It was incredible. It yeah. was like a, it might have been a ten or no, a nine. It was a or nine, but it was an incredible, semifinal or the final. Right. Yeah, incredible ride. Really great surfing. Yeah, you know? and and again, not what you would expect from him. And it reminds me of. um Gabby in San Francisco a couple, three years ago or what whatever, where he was doing the surfing backside floaters and stuff on big yeah. rights. And it wasn't what you expected from a Brazilian surfer. You know, you expect high flying air reverses right. or this real technical kind of squatty, you know, you know, don't right. mind me painting this with a general brush here, but, um, and so I found that fascinating. You yeah, know, that, like those are those moments when you go, God, th- this kid—that was a pretty cool move. It was right there. That was something that you know whoever would have done. Well, yeah, Tom without Curran.
0: it, without a doubt. And his what we have to mention about him is that he was criticized. He was again the epitome of doing the air reverse on a left. That was always his go-to thing, and the critics criticized him for that. And he came back with a whole new repertoire of backside surfing, barrel riding. And he's improved upon what everybody asked him to do. And so bravo, he deserved to make the final. He served great in this event. Um, I will say one major, uh, thing that I love and that the Brazilians have taught me, and I hate to even lump them in altogether. Like you just said, we don't expect this from Brazilians. No, I think we can, we don't need to lump them all in together. We can, He's, he's definitely a different surfer than Gabriel, and he's different than Adriano, and Felipe's his own deal. But one thing that all the Brazilians- They're awfully sporting. That's
1: what I love about them. That's, they want to win. That's and they, what and we need. they have need. A, a methodology to it. They have a plan and that's it's what we score need. points and bada bing. And this brings me to a concept that I threw out there. I'm, I don't know if you replied to it. I think I threw it out on Twitter or Instagram. But I love the idea of the ASP somehow or another formulating a Ryder Cup type situation like we have in golf, where you have four nations competing against each other for national pride. I think this does a lot to enhance the sport, to grow the sport, to get you and me rooting against um, Australians and rooting against Hawaiians and rooting against Brazilians. It would probably be Hawaiian... North American, USA, right. They'd be Brazilian, and, and Australia. Yeah. Maybe you lump the rest into a uh, some sort of grab bag team called Europeans or something. I don't know. Sure. But I, I just, and I obviously, you know, I haven't combed through this concept very deeply, but I just love the idea of of enhancing the nationalism that, that I think it's good for the sport because it's going to create nas- um, natural rivalries. Yeah. It's going to help us, you and me as fans, go, oh, you know what? I can't wait for the USA to kick ass on Brazil. Right. You know, like they do this in other sports. And I think it's something that um, it wouldn't not surprise me if, if the ASP slash WSL starts to maybe, you know, excavate this concept. And, and I think it would be good. I'm not against that concept at all. And I could get
0: behind it. And I think as we've kind of had hold this. it
1: in Hawaii at Sunset Beach. Yeah.
0: yeah. As we've had this discussion over the last few weeks about Gabriel Medina being a bad guy, and you kind of—he's uh, not a bad polarizing.
1: guy. He's, he's the guy that wears the black hat. Right. And as a surf fan, he's the guy I like to root against. Just like yeah. I like to root against the Oakland Raiders.
0: Exactly. And but the conversation has become bigger than that, and about Brazil as a whole. You right. know. Right. And and as I've kind of thought through it, and we've gotten feedback from people and stuff. I like the concept and I'm fully okay with nationalism, but at the end of the day, what I'm most proud of is we just, we want the best surfing, I think, to, it doesn't matter if you're from Brazil, if you're going to be the better surfer, that's who we want to win. You know, I can overlook my nationalistic pride for Kelly Slater if it means that we get to watch better surfing.
1: I don't agree with that. You don't. No, I've got my guys, and I want my guys to win. And even if it means Gabe pearling up to his neck and losing the world title, I'm okay with that. I'm rooting for that. Really? Yeah, I'm rooting for Gabe to fall. When See, he takes off, I'm like, fall, dude, yeah. fall. <laughs> because I want my guy of to course, win. Of course, of course. But you want your guy to win surfing his
0: best. You don't of want course. Kelly well, to yeah. get twos and Gabriel to fall and then Kelly wins. Whatever it takes, as long as my bookie cashes See, my checks. <laughs> <laughs> See, I to me, I think... I look at surfers as their own nationalistic group. And we as surfers, oh no, I mean, I'm that not trying to horrible. placate. I'm just, I know, but
1: I, I find this globalization concept horrible because we have our own specific cultures. We do have we do, our own of course. specific regions. And I think those things um, are what makes us great. If we homogenize it with this, like, yeah, we're we're all hipsters with beards and beanies and we all you know drink lattes and have... You know, Max. I don't know where that came from. I, but... <laughs> mean, I was just looking at one of these guys on screen here. I'm looking no, at Josh Curry. <laughs> I, I
0: completely agree. Like, I'm all for nationalism. And I think cultivating that nationalism and respecting, you know. That's
1: one place the Brazilians do a good job. You know yeah. that the Brazilian pack is the Brazilian pack. And I appreciate that yeah. for, the, for them. You know, for well, them that, doing that.
0: So that was my kind of original point in bringing this topic up was they have shown us something very valuable as a, as a community and that is desire and tenacity and it ain't pretty like look at Jadson's style it ain't pretty but that's how you advance your position it didn't matter that it wasn't pretty his amount of tenacity overcame Kelly's amount of mastery and and so when I look at like Luke Davis who I, I I'm friends with personally but it's like pink hair Instagram's not trying his whole thing is like I don't care I don't give a crap. I'm we just don't gonna. Either. I'm just gonna drink. No, but they do. I guarantee I would. No, I would no. argue. Luke Davis gets paid more money by Reef than Jadson does by Oakley, and he certainly has more Instagram followers. He has as much value to the surf industry more than Jadson does. I think, but
1: that that. And I'm just. And I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. You go but ahead.
0: I, I. I'm not standing behind Luke. I'm just no, explaining.
1: I, I, I have a feeling, and I've been thinking about this, that that whole free surfer thing is slowly but surely going to go by the wayside as do you far, really as far as our culture and what we appreciate and I think it's who's like, our culture us as surfers yeah us okay. as surfers what got it I, I believe and I could be way off base here I usually am and people point it out all the time but it's my gut feeling that the ASP is growing the WSL is growing professional surfing is growing more people are watching it now than my wife's watching it my sure. daughter's watching it people are watching it that did not used to watch it. Yeah. And as that happens and as the sport grows, the concept of a free surfer and how groovy it is to have your art supplies and your guitar and you're off with your tent to Mexico is just sort of cliche. It it used to be cool when you were, you know, it's only cool if no one knows about it, you know, but when you start going, hey, check me out, I'm underground. I'm I'm free surfer guy, Uh, you know, and I think, I'm not saying this month or this year, but I think – it's going to lose a lot of its cachet because, at the end of the day, I don't think Luke Davis moves board short sales. I don't think. Oh, he moves, I think
0: he moves way more board short sales than I don't think he moves more than half of the world sales.
1: Tour. I know I could be wrong. I don't yeah. know, but
0: okay. So Kai Otten's his counterpart. They're both on Reef. Who's moving more board shorts, Luke Davis I don't think or either Kai of them? Are that's I, my point. I, yeah.
1: I don't think my son even knows who Luke Davis is. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I think those. I think the, guys in Newport and Huntington, where you live, yeah, maybe he's huge there in that little region. He's from but, down here, though.
0: He's from your area closer than my area. Well, Orange County. San Clemente, then. Right. So, well, same difference. So sure. So I I think that you those two things, free surfing and the ASP, are growing side by side. I don't think the ASP is outpacing free surfing. I think they're growing side by side. Take Alana Blanchard as an example. And well, that
1: she's look, that that's totally different that's a wild card she's like sexy it appeal. is yeah that's i know, totally, I know. But, but i just
0: want to win the argument so well well um, there is no
1: argument because first of all free surfing has always been bigger they're not growing side by side you and me going surfing this morning has nothing to do with watching the asp and no but will.
0: but as board short selling entities that's what i'm talking exactly about. that's what, what i'm talking about too. Meter. no but that's what i'm talking about too i think that free surfing is growing for every bit that
1: asp Who grows is the greatest free surfer right now Dane, I guess. I don't know. I, just as a, a good, fallback. That's probably a good call. Dane. Let's say it's Dane. Okay. Dane, what's he been doing lately? Bogging. Yeah. Losing heats Bogging. when he enters
0: them right. and not putting web clips up on Marine Layer and pissing everybody off. I think off. there's
1: about, you know, four free surfers that maybe move the meter, right? Dane, probably Machado, um... Disagree with that, Craig Anderson. I'm talking about moving board shorts. Like,
0: no, yeah, but I disagree. Machado, I don't think is selling
1: board shorts not. anymore. Maybe not. I don't know. I, yeah, but, but whoever they are, there's only four of them. Yeah, and so the Luke Davis and Luke's not one of them, and either's is Kai Otten. I know he's a competitive guy. My point is, is that there's not that many guys that move board short sales.
0: Okay, I think you're too far removed from the youth. I know you I have, have a, a teenage use. son. I know you do. I have two youths, And
1: I would be surprised
0: if he doesn't know who uh, Luke I'm Davis gonna is. I'm going to text him right now and find out. Not on the show, do you? Why not? All right, fine. You do it. Keep
1: talking. Well, because... Okay. I can talk and text.
0: I know you've been doing it this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we heard your your phone go off early on. So my point is, check out these people's Instagrams. They have at, not How as many, many followers... What? How many does Luke I don't know off the top of my head. But my point is that they have more presence on there than the top... Uh, Maybe other than the top 10, you know, outside of Julian Wilson and the top 10, Luke Davis is right up there. And so certainly so are the girls. So that says something. And the the reef knows that. And he's in the, all of their advertisements. He doesn't even have to surf well. So my point is, though, that the, what the Brazilians have, that tenacity, Luke, if he had some of it, he would be winning events. He does surf really well. And... And he just doesn't, like, I remember he posted, or uh, what's his name? Matt Biolis posted an Instagram after the Virginia Beach event last year on the QS that was basically shaming a lot of his young team riders going, while all you kids are posting Instagrams of your lattes and your colored hair, um, John Da Silva is winning the Virginia Beach event with no fanfare and just smashing you guys. And you guys are losing in round one. You kids need to get your act together. And Matt Biolas had a really good point is this entitled culture that we're raising out of Orange County with kids who just have everything handed to them. Girls are throwing themselves at them. I did a trip with Luke and I I like Luke a lot, actually. I don't think that his personality is anything near his persona that he puts out there. So I'll state that, but I saw things that women send him on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. And it's full grown women sending bikini shots in lingerie and stuff. And it's all day constantly. And I'm
1: like, holy crap. Women are literally throwing themselves at him. If that's the case. Luke Davis is not long for the surf world. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> he's but gonna it's burn it, and no, it's,
0: it's crazy. His girlfriend was in a music video with Justin Bieber. You know I mean? Like this crate, he's friends
1: with, Ireland, Baldwin. Look, I, we're, we're picking on Luke. I only wish the best for Not Luke. even picking on him. But my He's done an is, amazing we're job. We're using him as an example yeah, exactly. of a free surfer here in this conversation. I am, And I'm claiming that I think that the free surfers out there, are, you're going to start to see him fall by the wayside. You I named, don't think that there's that many that move the meter.
0: You named guys who are falling by the wayside, but that doesn't mean that the concept is falling by the wayside. Especially in other countries like Australia, you have Noah Dean. The kids like a celebrity there, uh, Dion Agius, Creed McTaggart, Jay Davies, all these guys, you know in no, a,
1: none of those guys move board shorts in the United States, maybe in Australia they do maybe, I don't think maybe not I can in be the US. wrong, but maybe not in the u s My gut feeling is there's only a few that move board shorts yeah John John Kelly, and I know I'm talking competitively, but I'm just talking yeah. about all of them, like the free surfers that move board shorts, who are they
0: yeah. Well, I named it. in the U S right no, now, in the U S those. Right, no, right those guys now guys in the U S there's not a lot. I would have said that Dane, but he is falling kind of behind, but I mean, I would still make the argument that Luke Davis does, you know, um, I, mean,
1: I hope I'm wrong, but I,
0: but I'm, more importantly, know. what the Brazilians have, we need some of it infused into the American surf and scene. We
1: can do that. I think through
0: some nationalistic endeavors, like a Ryder cup type event. Yeah. Maybe that's what it, what it would take. I'm going to break down the, um, the world title scenarios before we move out of
1: ASP talk. By the They're, way, yeah. we're broadcasting from the surfing heritage and culture center, their library here. How we're, could we forget? We're very lucky. How to could be we able forget? to use this prestigious environs to, uh, to talk surf. And it puts us in the right frame of mind because we're completely surrounded by surfing media, magazines, books, videotapes, digital stuff, photographs, surfboards, it's a, it's a great place to be able to broadcast down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Not
0: to mention the uh, icons of our industry who are walking through the halls. Yes. You know, when we walked in here in the morning, guys walking by who would be a get if we had them on the show.
1: Yeah. Who she did you see them? that
0: you wanted to get? Well, Paul Strau. Oh, uh, Paul, you know, yeah. Just, uh, Paul, Paul works here. We can I get know. him anytime. I know. Well, you had him. <laughs> um, so... There are seven surfers in contention for the world title mathematically. Seven. Seven. Would you like to hear the breakdown? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If Gabriel Medina finishes 25th or 13th in Portugal, Joel Parkinson and John John will need to get a second in order to still be in contention. Mick. Is the 25th losing in the second round? Yes. Okay. And then, yeah. Mick would need to get a fifth. To continue to be in contention and uh-huh. kelly could get a 25th and still send the title race to pipe okay so if gabriel and kelly both lose early so
1: you can see why i would root for gabriel to pearl up to his
0: neck and round of two. course yeah we want to see this go to pipe right if gabriel for
1: you you want Gabe to win the world title you've mentioned that many times if, so you really want Gabe to win l- listeners
0: can go back and listen to the last two shows if they want to hear my detailed opinion um uh, if gabriel finishes ninth then Joel and John John would need to get first to remain in contention. Mick would need to get second. Kelly would need to get third. Okay. 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 If Gabriel makes the quarters, Joel and John John are out of the race. Mick and Kelly would need to get first. Okay. If Gabriel makes the quarters, a third place finish for Gabriel, Mick and Kelly would need to win the event. Okay. In order to push the title to Pipe. Okay. If Gabriel finishes second, Mick is out of the race, and Kelly would need to get first. Okay. So if Gel- Kelly and Gabriel make the final in Portugal, Kelly needs to win the event in order for the title to go to Pipe. Okay. Otherwise, Gabe cool. Gabe clinches the title in Portugal. We
1: all want it to go to Pipe.
0: Yeah. If yeah. Gabe finishes first in Portugal, of course he clinches the world title. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I've Taj, always
1: felt like go ahead. I'm Taj
0: and Michelle are still in mathematically in the race,
1: but such an outside chance that I'm not going to give you their scenarios. I've always felt that it should always go to pipe. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that makes it exciting for all of us. It's our Super Bowl. It's our, it's our Daytona 500. It's, yeah. It's the event where we want to see the title, um, you know, be handed to somebody or taken away from somebody else. It's no fun going to pipe if, if yeah. that's not on the line. Well, I think, what we want to see is Gabriel lose in the early first or second
0: round. That way, Kelly, Mick, Joel, and John, John are all in it at pipe because John, John arguably could win pipe more easily than anybody. Kelly, you know, maybe, uh, is right up there with him, but it's like, Oh my God, that would be such an incredible showdown to have a five way race going into pipe. Um, it's worth noting the women's cask women's pro in Portugal also took place in the last week or two. Stephanie Gilmore won the event over Sally Fitzgibbon, and um, it's a four-way race for the title between Stephanie Gilmore, Sally, Tyler Wright, and Carissa Moore going into their final event at Honolulu Bay. There's one more event for them. No comments? Uh, (laughs) Cool. Wow. I mean... Send the hate mail to <laughs> boardroomshow at gmail.com. I'm just
1: not that into the women's Keskai Pro. Sorry. Well,
0: the bummer is I tried to watch it and they're surfing mushy waist high waves. It's shitty. Yeah, and it's I like, watched
1: some of it. I'll admit it. I turned some of it on.
0: Yeah, but it's like, God, it's not doing them any favors. But at the same time, when we put them out at Cloud Break, also not doing them any favors. <laughs> so where's the. I think Honolulu Bay will be a
1: great event for them. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Um,. From the Call Me When It's Six Feet and Perfect Department, mm-hmm. Weber Wave Pools. It's been announced in Stab Magazine that they're going to open a wave pool in September 2015, which I'm very skeptical about. <laughs> We've heard so many you know, promises or rumors of, of this time it's going to happen. But Stab Magazine reporting that a wave pool is opening in Queensland next year, captained by the shaper-turned-man-made wave scientist Greg Weber and um, I've interviewed Greg before on this Have show he? he's a great interview he's very outspoken and he's a, full of energy and he's a neat guy um, he used to he's, shape, a good, he's a good shaper used to great shape shaper Taj right. Burroughs boards I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Um, anyway uh, they're saying that uh, the company Greg Weber Wave Pools has just signed a memorandum of understanding with surf entrepreneur David Baird for construction of the first artificial wave pool in Australia And um, oh, by the way, I've heard through various sources, one which is very good, which actually works on this project, the Kelly Slater wave pool is also really, really close. Is it? At the end of the day, both of these wave pools um, have proved scalable and doable. They all believe that they can take these miniature models and blow them up to much bigger models and it's all going to pan out and work great. And again, one of the scientists that is working on the Kelly Slater wave pool Is a guy who surfs where I surf, and I talk with him a lot about it. And he's like, "It's ready to go, you know. It's Hmm. just it's a matter of funding." And I'm sure in Australia they're probably getting some grants, and this David Baird guy's throwing some dollars at it. He's probably got a bunch of money. That's sort of what's holding back. I think the Kelly Slater thing is that. You know, they haven't maybe found the right location where real estate prices make sense and the demographic and the, you know, the whole geopolitical situation is. Do you know what the business regional political situation is
0: ideal? What is the business model? Is it open a park and charge people to come in? Is there a a retail environment that surrounds it? That is it it near the beach? Is it inland? Like, what does it look like? I think it's
1: inland. I'm sure it's inland a little bit, but you know how Australia is like inland is two miles. Okay. It's not that far inland. You yeah. Know? Um, I don't know. Didn't, okay. the, the stab magazine didn't touch on that on the model. Um, I sort of wonder if it's almost like are they building it to see if it'll work. Right. And then once it works, then they can start point, yeah. pointing to it and going, hey, we can do this. Let's build retail around it or let's build housing around it or let's build a golf course around it and charge you, you know, 300,000 a year. Yeah. Just have it be elite or whatever, you know. What, uh, what are the waves like what can they it's that produce circular, they both have the same that circular it's kind of got that wave garden thing you know how wave garden just runs straight down a linear line yeah well it's like wave garden but it's a circle but it, it's 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 a long like imagine like a tongue depressor like a long like tongue. a horse track yeah but narrower okay but like a horse track but okay. narrower. yeah exactly that's what the Stab magazine video shows you. And are the waves mushy? Are they curling? No, six they... foot and perfect? Apparently. Okay. And p- part of the stuff that that Weber's working on is fluctuations in the bottom contour, so that the wave isn't so mechanical, so that it throws some different options at you as a surfer, not just this perfect, dare I say, boring tube, but the opportunity for it to chandelier and crumble, and then have a cutback section, and maybe you know other opportunities besides. The barreling section. I'm listening. I'm just not fully sold on it. Call me when it's six feet and perfect. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've heard so much about, and they are getting closer. You know, yeah. and I know that Bruce McFarland at American Wave Machines, he's quietly making a living putting in um, wave pools. You know, yeah. these surf streams. I mean, they're doing it. Like there's one in New Jersey. You know, they're not six feet and perfect, but they are what makes sense from a fiscal standpoint for these developers that are trying to draw people to their malls or their um you know retail outlets or whatever they are well i know that that
0: flow rider machine that's been around for 20 years or something has had varied success and it's been sold a number of times and it's moved from germany to wherever else and a bunch of people have been sued because people fall i think rob machado even broke a clavicle or something on it um and it's just like they get sued left and right and then they sell it to somebody else and then a couple new people get sued and there's so much more that comes with that type of a business than just, you know, building it and they will
1: come. Yeah, exactly. There's many variables.
0: In a segue um, as to uh, kind of w- accessibility to waves and who's allowed to surf where, did you hear about the billionaire that tried to close a beach, a public beach in Central California?
1: Yeah, this this venture capitalist techie guru guy or whatever mm-hmm. from the Silicon Valley tried unsuccessfully to have Martin's Beach closed for a long long time
0: yeah do you know Martin's Beach at all no okay
1: I don't know anything about it other than you know it's 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 sort of on the radar the Surfrider Foundation is claiming a major victory and I think that's uh, It is a major victory. It's rightly claimed.
0: Um, Colsa is the guy's name, and he purchased the property, this coastal property, in 2008. The previous landowners had allowed public access for years via a road that went from Highway 1 down to the beach and charged a small parking fee. But in 2010, Colsa locked the gate at the top of the road and hired security guards to monitor it. Superior Court judge ruled that the venture capitalist violated the California Coastal Act when he locked the gate and hired security guards guards and painted over billboards along highway 1 um the issue was thrust into the public spotlight when five surfers basically trespassed uh past the signs and surfed the waves at Martin Beach the sheriff's department arrived on the scene arrested them all for trespassing the case was later dropped due to insufficient evidence and um the sheriff's department began following pedestrians to pass through the, the property safely and shortly thereafter, the Surfrider Foundation filed the case against
1: Colsa. Um, well, this guy's public enemy number one, along with the um, transportation corridor agency that tried to build a, a freeway right, right through the public, the state park there at Trestles, as yeah. far as Surfrider's concerned. Uh, right. This is another major victory for them. And I think, you know, I can speak for you when I say our hats are off to the Surfrider Foundation for allowing public access to a public beach.
0: Well, let me play devil's advocate. Okay. Um, do home or just answer do home do homeowners of given property along the coast have the ability to
1: restrict access through their property or should they I I, this uh, I will answer and say um, no if you own the property you don't have to give way to the beach the beach itself is public but your
0: property that blocks the access you do not have to let
1: but uh, you know now we're getting into sort of the vagaries of this situation, which is really actually kind of confusing. We would need Chad Nelson in here to really break it down for us. But it's my understanding that if this is the only access to the public beach, then yeah, you have to, and oh, by the way, there was public access forever and ever and ever. And I don't then I think know. his side will say, no, actually there wasn't public access. Right. And there's all these, this goes back to before the state of California was a state. Right. You know, like this goes back. 1820 or something, whatever it is. um, Yeah. When a Mexican farmer owned the land and it was, you know, it's pretty deep. And I obviously don't know the vagaries of it, but
0: well, um, I I don't know uh, if public access was actually allowed. I mean, it says that prior to purchasing the property, the owners allowed public access, but charged a fee to park there, which I would also question how legitimate or legal that is, you know, but I'll kind of on a side note, I surfed in San Diego um, down not far from you um, a couple weeks ago with a friend who lives in a community near the beach, which a main road goes through. But each stairway down to the beach has a locked gate. And in order to get a key for the locked gate, you need to live in that community. So you can't access that beach unless you live in the community, basically, even though PCH runs right through it, you know, 20 yards away. And so it was awesome for me because I'm friends with him. We get the key. We go down there and surf. And the beach is slightly less crowded because of it. And I enjoyed the experience, of course, being on the benefiting end of it. But I also questioned, you know, the morality of that. What was that, Solana Beach? No, Terramar. Oh. And But it's like the beach isn't closed. So you can access the beach from a mile down the road if you yeah. park and then walk in, of course. Yeah. You don't want to do the walk. So most people don't. But I kind of questioned that. And and I thought it was really cool, the community feel that developed there. Just even once you get past that gate and you walk down the stairs, there's little seating areas and neighbors are all hanging out and eating and chatting, watching the sunset. I loved that about it. But I also felt a little bit alienated knowing I can't come back unless I have this key, you know, but I'm not offended by that. It kind of to the email that you read earlier, it kind of just made me want to work harder so that I could purchase a property here at some point and then participate in this amazing lifestyle you and, know what i mean and
1: sneer at the less thins as they walk by i
0: felt on both sides like i felt conflicted about it you know right. i was cool i was happy about it but then i was angry about it and i got some all right waves which made me feel better but <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the access to the beach is an interesting thing isn't it
0: yeah we certainly don't have answers but it's fodder you know yeah. it's interesting to discuss
1: what do you what else do you got there brother um Did you see there was a shark attack? I did, man. How sad. Gnarly. 23-year-old surfer lost his arm and his other hand in a shark attack near Esperance in southern western Australia. Yeah. Wiley Bay Beach last week took a guy's arm and his hand off a great white shark estimated to be 15, 18 feet. Gnarly. Uh, Super gnarly. And And he survived. super, Super sad for the guy. Yeah. It's a bummer
0: totally amazing that he survived that though got to lose a lot of blood in that sort of a situation yeah
1: um
0: so surfermag.com justin's justin houseman posted this little article about wetsuit color oh yeah really? for those who live outside southern california um you may not know people wear wetsuits in another color other than black right I mean, in Southern California, we see kids in white wetsuits and red wetsuits and all the colors of the rainbow. But once you go up to Central California, it's pretty much black on black everywhere, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he kind of... Black is warmer. <laughs> okay, let's black is warmer, sure. Black is the warmest color. The yeah. sun attracts to the black. Looks most that's, like why a, that, that's why we do that.
0: Looks most like a, a seal as well. Um, he posted a couple of studies that had been done and then kind of extrapolated them out to relate them to wetsuits but basically a 2012 study uh, which showed that people who wore a white Doctor's coat performed better in cognitive tests than those wearing street clothes. When a different group of people wore the same coat but were told it was a painter's smock, they recorded far worse results than the group who believed they were wearing a doctor's uniform. So <laughs> it was a Northwestern uh, Kellogg School of Management study, and there was another it's one done in North Carolina. Study no, but his you and
1: I are paying for it with our tax dollars.
0: Right, but his point was like, you know, if wearing a colorful wetsuit like Chloe Andino wears you think that you're a better surfer and you will then perform like a professional surfer.
1: So I think there's actually something to that. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think that no matter how you dress, like there's, it, it, you, you feel a certain way when you're, you know, yeah, clean shaven, freshly showered in yeah. nice clothes, you feel more worthy perhaps. Right. Whereas if you roll out of bed, don't shave, put on your sandals, a torn pair of jeans, And you you roll out with coffee breath. So would you wear any other color wetsuit other than black? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I wear like mine, I think has a Navy blue armband on it. But Um, that is the, um, it's not like bright. No. And it's
0: also not the main color. It's the accent color. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, the main color is always black. Yeah. And I do that because I get cold. It's warmer. Sure. And um, and I don't, in my own aesthetic, like I don't necessarily want to draw attention to myself. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not like, Hey, check me out in my white wetsuit. You know? Like, so
0: let me ask you that. If a kid paddles out at your spot, straight out to the peak in a white wetsuit, you don't even see him catch a wave. So you can't judge how good of a surfer he is or not. What's your judgment? Um,
1: my judgment is that kid's probably pretty good. Oh, Really?
0: Yeah, I mean... So you're already giving him well, a little bit of a pass. Well, he hasn't caught a wave yet,
1: right? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying kid's got some moxie to be paddling <laughs> out in a white wetsuit. Let's... You better bring it. <laughs> if he catches a wave and he
0: sucks, now what's your opinion? It depends how old he is. If he's 16... Eight, 18. 18. Then he's just a kook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if he was in a black wetsuit, you would not have thought twice whether... If he caught a wave, great. If he serves great. Right
1: because when you're 18 you're wearing a white wetsuit because it's your choice you're like I'm this looks cool I'm gonna stand out and oh by the way I can't surf with a damn
0: right so he's a kook well surfing Huntington Beach Pier regularly this is kind of an issue (laughs) like you see this you see people paddle out in a bright red wetsuit from Nike you're like (laughs) either this guy's friends with Chloe and Dino and he got the hand-me-down or he works for Nike maybe or he rips and he's some unknown Brazilian kid I've never heard of you know what I mean and um and nine times out of 10 in Huntington, he's just a Barney who got the hand-me-down wetsuit somehow, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm glad I don't I don't experience Huntington Beach. Yeah, way.
0: yeah. So I just thought that was Sorry kind of interesting and <laughs> something that I interact with at the pier occasionally. Well,
1: speaking of wetsuits, I actually put this on my notes that it is wetsuit season. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that I, um, I'm an O'Neill guy. For a long time, I've been an O'Neill guy um i do pay for my suits but i just got my two new suits and the one thing that i've noticed i was i was intrigued by the hurley ads and the hurley lower pro the the wetsuit ads the full suit ads Where, and this is what i've noticed with o'neill and i think all the wetsuit companies are doing this is that they've gotten so flexible and so stretchy that um a three mil suit is going to keep you pretty damn toasty warm and it is now as flexible as a two millimeter suit was say five years ago right So the concept of wearing an all three mil, not a three two, but an all three mil means more warmth and more flexibility than five years ago. Sure. And I think that the wetsuit companies are going there and Hurley's even saying, hey, we're doing a two mil suit that's not only flexible, but it's so warm, it's as warm as your old three mil suit. Right. And um, I know Patagonia does that too. And um, certainly wetsuit technology, uh, the flexibility factor has gone through the roof in the past five years or so. And. Um, when you say, I don't know what your, what your take, I would love to try one of those Hurley suits. I told you last year, I got the four,
0: three Hurley fusion. They only make one suit and it was phenomenal. It was the best suit I've ever had by far. And
1: that that doesn't surprise me because Bob's a surfer. He's got Nike behind him. He'll only put out the best stuff. He's not going to have a crappy Hurley suit out there. Well, what was crazy
0: about it is it was half the price of the comparable wetsuits on the market from the other
1: brands. Wetsuits are expensive. That the suit that I bought was $570. Insane. And the le- I bought two suits, and the lesser-than suit was like 320
0: That's insane. That Hurley suit, I think it was 200 bucks. Yeah. And it's their top of the line. I didn't actually pay for it, but I think retail, it's 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, and I think that was
1: just an effort. Well, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I'm willing to try one of these Hurley suits. So if Bob or Evan or anybody over there wants to shoot, of a new full suit my way. I'd love to try it out.
0: When you said that you bought uh, two new wetsuits, is it a four three and a three
1: two? I bought a. Uh, f- it's a four and a half, three and a half. Okay. Uh, an O'Neill. Um, it's their top of the line suit. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, and then I also got a three. Two psycho three. Okay. So they have w- their top the line suit yeah um, and I forget the name of it, but it's got the techno butter and it's super stretchy and right. super toasty warm and right it's it's got all the like um the welded seams so there's no stitch seams but it's all welded glued and welded everywhere you know like yeah and it's all flexy it's not any smooth skin on the chest it's all flexy mm-hmm. four and a half three and a half.
0: Uh, I saw that Visla advertised their first wetsuit just came out. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like Japanese. I think Be Wet is the Japanese company that's making it for them. Oh, okay. But they're $700 retail. Wow. Because it's Japanese, you know?
1: That's Japanese amazing. Rubber.
0: I know. Insane. I can't vouch for it. I've never had one, but. Send worth, one over. Worth noting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're willing to, to discuss how great your wetsuit is. Although the water is 70 degrees still in it October. It's I been... know. Well, speaking of that, that's a great segue to El Nino because I, I'm sure you haven't been looking at Sponsor's Storm Surf video forecast, an uber scientific 30 minute overview every week that Mark Sponsor puts out yeah. on his YouTube channel, stormsurf.com. But El Nino is definitely. A mild one is definitely happening. And um, and this is good news. Uh, And you can see that in there's been a lot of Western Pacific typhoons that have sprung up around the Philippines and Japan that are spinning up extra tropical. And that's we're actually going to get waves this weekend from a system in the North Pacific. So when you have these systems along the equator, spinning up towards the Philippines and Japan and moving into the North Pacific, that's a classic El Nino model so we're getting these uh, these these warm waters along that equatorial region there and it's good for surfing for sure. yeah and it's good that it's a mild one because as Mark sponsor points out, um, a mild one that hangs out for a long time for a couple of seasons is what we want because that will eventually spike into a really powerful one mm. rather than like sort of an anomaly in the warm water and then it goes back to cold again Right. This, we've we're in a we're in a situation now where we've had, maybe six, five, six, seven months of these warm water anomalies every single month. So this is pointing towards a a mild El Nino and maybe um, a mild to strong one. But for sure, there's a mild El Nino, and that's a good thing. Good. Well, the
0: waves, I mean, the water's obviously been 70 degrees, and the waves have been pumping the last couple of days. And we've got a few more days of it. And then, like you said, over the weekend, the new swell. So pretty good times in Southern California to be a surfer. Yeah, for sure. Um more topics or must-see moments and Yeah, must-see moments. Um my must-see moment is Greg Long on Vice Sports talking about his near-death wipeout. Did you see this? I think I may have clicked on this. Did you send this to me? No, I didn't. Uh.
1: Um
0: Vice, I love Vice just as a outlet, media outlet, but they did that interview with Kelly Slater which I talked about maybe a month or two ago this one with Greg Long is filmed in the exact same bar at the exact same seat that Kelly sat in. So I think they just filmed them one after another. Um, but Greg Long, he's, he's talking about, I don't know, more than just that one wipeout, but for the most part, he's talking about the one wipeout and his near death experience and, and recovering from it. It's a five minute video, a bunch of really great surf footage that I had never seen before. And, um, but it's compact, you know. It's concise. It's in a five-minute thing, and they just do a great job with it. It's simple. It's to the point. It's candid. I love it.
1: My must-see moment is um, "Get the Lead Out," which is a cover band for Led Zeppelin, and and this is by far the most tightest, the most tightest, the tightest Led Zeppelin cover band ever. So I would urge you to Google "Get the Lead Out," and they have an eleven-minute. A montage of different Led Zeppelin songs That they're playing live on stage And they're incredibly tight They sound exactly like the Led Zeppelin albums They pride themselves on covering the albums live as Just as the albums sound right. um, When you're listening to them So it's if you're a Led Zeppelin fan um, Get the Led Out Which is, by the way, they're touring all around They were just in San Diego last weekend If you get a chance to see them You're going to want to see them they're kind of a cool cover band because they're not trying to look like led zeppelin but they sound exactly like led zeppelin and there's probably eight of them in the band Wow! because as you may know led zeppelin certainly um used a a, a ver- varied uh, array of instruments um you know from mandolins to pianos john paul jones the bassist played a lot of piano um there's a lot of multi-stringed instruments so they have all of these players in their band it's not just four guys there's Right, Uh, And so they they touch Because they have to do that To touch on all the sounds That you get on the album Well that coincidentally Tied into our first conversation
0: At the beginning of this show With the journey And ACDC lead singer Sounding like Oh yeah The old guy Did you do that intentionally? We're going to come full circle Crazy dude Callback That's insane Hey I just noticed Your Salty Crew hat Yes It's what CJ Hobgood's Been hyping on the webcast What's the deal with that? No
1: no, the Salty Crew guys are, Are buddies of mine I'm a big fan of the Salty Crew Sink or swim Really? Salty like, crew. what's the story? They sent it? me some swag. Yeah, you know, I got like two hats and. How do you shirts. know them? What's their story? What are they doing? um They're San Diego guys. They're fishermen guys. You know. Okay. Um, and um I don't know them that well. I just know that they're cool guys, and I'm down with their product. I'm down with their lifestyle. They're okay. about surfing and fishing. Yeah, and they're not about you know like tight pants and smoking a cigarette with a half beard and a beanie on and a latte. They're about, Dude, let's go
0: fishing. You're so anti today. Hipster.
1: That's the second time you threw <laughs> the hipsters
0: under the bus.
1: Hipsters under the bus. It's the name of my new band. <laughs> it's
0: a V-dub bus. <laughs> um, So Duke and Kook. Nada. You got nothing? You tell yours first. Well, I'll give you my Duke is Mom
1: John. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ah, love me some Mom John. By the way. I'm gonna interrupt I see here there's a movie called Death to Hipsters it's a film by Alex it's a De- surf movie yeah, yeah surf film
0: from the New Jersey guys
1: right yeah. Alex DeFilippo
0: yeah it's actually Death really funny hipster. I oh. didn't see the whole movie I watched the trailer when it first came out it looked hilarious okay we're gonna have to see that
1: Death to Hipsters uh, let so do a Ma- review on Death to Hipsters next time
0: Mom John is my Duke of the Week and let's just take a breath in and enjoy the thought of Mom
1: John. You have uh, a crush on Mom John, don't you? Uh, yeah, don't we all? Are you kidding me? Oh my God, she's a, your a cougar. Yeah, she's amazing, dude. She's a mountain lion. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> nice.
0: So I, I actually had another Duke, um, which I'll just I'll I'll quickly give a little nod to the other Duke, which is Paul Toblieb who did the Big Wave Hellman show on ESPN2. We touched on it last show because it had not yet aired, but I watched the preview episode, which I was bored by. I will say I watched the actual real episodes, and it was much better than I gave it credit for. Did you watch it?
1: I watched a little bit of it last night, actually. Did I you like it? I saw some of it. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was definitely caught my attention. Yeah. I kept it going. Unfortunately, there was Major League Baseball yeah, and a football yeah. game on, and I was kind of flipping back and forth. And the one bit that I did see looked a little bit staged. Okay. You know, like, I mean, I know it's reality TV kind of. And it it just, you just got the feeling they go, okay, Greg, you sit here. Ryan Hippod's going to walk up with his girlfriend and you're going to talk about his wipeout. And it just didn't seem like a natural conversation. It felt like Greg felt like he had to kind of, yeah, it just didn't seem like it was natural. It seemed to like cut can you say it like this, Greg? Right, right, right. Rather than just let him talk. You know? Well, I,
0: I feel like I threw it under the bus, the hipster bus, uh, last show. But I actually watched the the proper episodes, and it was much better than I anticipated. There was great footage in France at Balhara. Not not great surfing footage, but like all the lead-up to the event. And come flying in the night before, and the jet ski sinks, and having to get a replacement, and all that kind of storyline made for really good TV. So if anybody... Wants to see that Or can find it I would it's watch worth it watching. I would it's definitely watch it
1: I'm not I, You know I'm just being hypercritical Yeah of course it, You know And Paul and Sam Are both good friends of mine In fact Sam is my kook Sam George Is my kook of the week Oh well Because he had promised That he would Donate money To the 100 wave challenge boys to men Numerous times He promised And he failed Calling and, him uh, out I man. am I'm calling out Sam Because he's my friend And that's why I can call him out And say dude You said you'd step up And you failed putting him on blast. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, my Duke was going to be Paul. And then I woke up this morning, I'm scrolling through Instagram and mom, John, John, John Florence's mom, Alex Florence posted an Instagram of her skating a pool, clearing these stairs on the pool. What is she? 40, 40 year old woman, mother of three skating pools. And I was like, Holy crap. She rips. And I remember she does rip on a skateboard and a surfboard. And then, um, Beach Grit recently posted this kind of long story on her and how she came to Hawaii, left her family's house when she was 16 in New Jersey, found her way out to Hawaii, lived in this shack on the beach at Pipeline um, long before real estate prices were crazy, carved her way out, raised three kids on her own. She's got a great story and She seems like a great mother. She's raised this potential world champion surfer, not to mention the other two boys, Ivan and Nathan. And she's at every event where you have Felipe Toledo's dad in the shore break up to his knees, screaming at Felipe at the top of his lungs and Gabriel's dad doing what he does. And then you have mom, John, in the back of the scene, just being quiet, quietly supportive of her son. Well,
1: the real story is dad, John. Where's Dad John? I already told you my philosophy on. that. I want to know where Dad John is. I just. I think I've met Dad John actually. Yeah, he's won eleven world titles. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Remember, remember my controversy? I do, I do. So you think Slater is Dad John? It all the stars aligned. David Lee Scales. First of all, that's a great. uh, He bequeathed. That's beach grit fodder right there. He bequeathed
0: the gift. That nobody else on earth has of, sur- of this um, incredible surf riding ability. Kelly Slater started going to Hawaii just before John John came, you know, came to be. Him and, him and uh, Alex are good friends. He was born on the reef at Pipeline. Well, that's
1: interesting, but seriously, Dad John. Who is it? I don't know. but Spill the beans. I don't know who it is, but I, it, that's the story that needs to be excavated. I'm by am giving it to you. Beach, it, it's not Kelly Slater. How do you know? because he doesn't look like Kelly Slater and he doesn't look like Mom John.
0: Mm.
1: Whoever it is 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 like fair-skinned Ranga Rangatang.
0: Well, one other uh I I proposed that theory over a year I ago. I think I've
1: met Dad John. Who I, I know. It? So tell I don't me know. Who it who, is. Well, when I was at Surfer, Mom John came in with Dad John and the three John Johns. <laughs> and the three They're John not all three John Johns. No, no, th- there was three John Johns. No, there was not. There was three boys, Florenses. yeah, I know. We, yeah, well, yeah. Whatever, the three Johns. Those Jones. kids have their own identity though. They Ivan, Nathan, okay. whatever. So they were running around like, and they were like four, seven, and eight years old or something like that. But your
0: shirt sure was the father? No,
1: I'm not. But there was a dad, there was a father figure with Mom John. So I'm assuming that's the only Dad John I've ever seen with the Mom John.
0: Okay. I proposed the this. Dad
1: John, the Mom John, three John Johns.
0: I proposed this theory. That's six Johns. <laughs>
1: John John times three.
0: There's a pimp in there somewhere. So listen, I proposed this theory over a year ago. You shrugged it off. I love your theory. No, well listen,
1: but I just find no. it hear far me, fetched.
0: Hear me out. A which couple. Is why I like it. Have you watched Peter King's tour notes videos that he does for Hurley? No. Peter King follows the world tour around yeah. with his video camera yeah. and films behind the scenes stuff and puts out these videos called tour notes. And you've,
1: oh, so got, got, sponsor. And you've got Hurley sponsoring. You've got. But slater and mom john going at it or <laughs> can you please listen okay. get to it okay <laughs> so got me
0: peter, peter king does these things and they're incredible well he did an episode with an interview with john john at his backyard and pipeline kelly's there they were breaking down some heat that just went down talking about it real behind the scenes stuff it's great i'll dig it up and post it on our website Mom john kissed but kelly Tonsals. at the end of the episode as kelly's leaving john john waves and goes bye dad <laughs> oh my God. i swear he says it and kelly's like see ya. or he i don't know if he even says bye son but quote verbatim john john says bye dad to kelly and oh i this was i proposed this theory a year ago I this happened it. six months ago all right it validates the theory it does not to mention I'll, i don't know see the one wrinkle is that i didn't know john john knew i thought it was a secret and john right. john wasn't well, hip to it but maybe john, john knows your, they
1: listen to our show and they're like John John started doing the math. Yeah.
0: It makes sense, dude. It all adds Think up. about it. We've got to go. Who's your kook, dude?
1: I already told you, Sam George.
0: Oh, I got one. I'll go super quick. Freaking takeoff on a ride at the pier the other day, inside shore break, yeah. This dude who's standing with his board, not on his board, it's next to him, starts maneuvering towards the direction that I'm gonna go. And then he realizes I'm making a play to go down the line. But instead of directing the opposite way to go behind me, he jumps in front of me, pushes his board the opposite way. I have nowhere to go except in between him and his board over his leash. At the last minute, his board catches a little wake or something and ends up, I ran straight over his surfboard. I have wax. Amazingly, it did not ding either of our boards. But I have wax. I came up with wax on the bottom of my board. I ran straight over the deck of his board. Never done it in my life. Made me feel like a kook that I couldn't avoid it, but it was just, it was shore break. It was right in this impact zone moment. Was unavoidable, except for the fact that he could have avoided me. I had nowhere to go. Ran straight over a dude. There's wax on the bottom of my board.
1: So you're your kook. He's the kook, oh, dude I got He
0: dove straight in front of me And pushed his board the opposite direction I probably didn't explain it well no, enough you did, you
1: did. But, just teasing him.
0: but what a freaking Barney I was like, what? Like, who? In Anyways, that's what happens when you surf the pier enough Do you
1: yeah. have a colored wetsuit on? Or <laughs> <laughs> Good call I think he's
0: riding a surf tech board
1: uh, The horror uh, Downline Surf Talk Radio For David Lee Scales, this is Scott Bass Until next time, adios and aloha
0: record scott's son hank texted us back after we were done recording today's show and uh he does not know who luke davis is so there you go no word on whether or not he knows who kai otten is but leave it at that anyways thank you for listening thank you scott for helping co-host today's show and if you're anywhere relatively new to surf splendor i encourage you go back through the archives All the surf news stuff is there and may not be as relevant now with a little bit of time passage, but you might still enjoy it. And additionally, there's a lot of interviews, interviews with Sean Thompson, Tom Parrish is worth listening to, iconic lightning bolt shaper from the 70s, and then uh, more recent episodes with Dan Malloy, Jason Baffa about his new film, Bella Vita, and um, tons of others. So go through the archives, enjoy all that stuff for free also there's an archive of music on the website so go through you can listen to any song from any episode is archived there so enjoy that it's one thing that i wished that i had uh, when i was a kid growing up watching surf videos i would love some of the music and you know just had to basically record it with the boombox up against the television speakers long before shazam and that sort of thing but At any rate, enjoy that. Enjoy everything that's on the website, all the videos that we discussed in today's episode and links to the articles that we discussed as well on surfsplendorpodcast.com. All right, that is it for now. Until next week, this is your host, David Scales, saying thank you for listening to Surf Splendor. We'll see you soon. Ciao.